You're listening to the Philly Soccer Pod. This week, the Union squander a three-goal lead and face a tough L.A. matchup on Saturday. Plus, MLS fantasy tips and next weekend's best games. Let's go. Well, for once, I really thought they had it. I'm Will McQuillan, Joe and Matthew with me today, as always. Guys, what happened in this Montreal game? Well, you thought they had it. I, I never believed. I mean, after the first goal in the uh, minute five, hey, that was exciting. Second goal, the penalty kick from Auburg, uh, that, uh, that's great. We're up 2 nothing. Third goal, C.J. Sapong, beautiful. But at that point, I, I, I didn't believe. It's been 238 days since they won. I turned to you and said, I don't think this is going to hold up. And then we watched it get whittled away. It was, it was disheartening and horrible. I'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth. I really thought the Union were going to win that game. All right, let's go through a quick box score recap. In the fifth minute, Roland Alberg slotted home a nice goal off the assist from CJ Sapong. Then in the 23rd, Sapong scores again off that corner kick rebound. And finally, the PK from Roland Alberg in the 39th minute, but just two minutes later, Ignacio Piatti would score two goals from Anthony Jackson Hamel, would put the Union back at a tie. I can't believe. I just can't believe they let a three-goal lead slip like that. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I don't know. It was horrible to watch. The, to start the game, you thought, geez, all right, Curtin had made some lineup changes. Alberg was in. My God, within five minutes, Alberg scores. The way, it's, the way I've been calling for for the longest time. They looked pretty good in the first half. And then when Piatti got that first goal in, when was that, the 41st minute before halftime, you could just feel everybody clench up. You could feel the team clench up. And on the field, there's, in my opinion, there's a lack of leadership. I don't know if it's a leader, lack of leadership from the coaching, a lack of leadership from the players, but uh, our captain Bedoya, I don't think he's the, the leader that he should be. We'll get to some quotes from him in a little while. Um, but really, things started out pretty well. I mean, going up after just five minutes, I thought the team were moving the ball really nicely. Madunian, um, I thought, actually had a really nice first half, and Bedoya even had a couple nice passes in there. I thought it's a nice defensive plays too. Um, but then, you know, the tide turns. You see, after that first goal goes in, Alejandro Bedoya pick up the ball and slam it on the ground, hang his head. Uh, guys start to look frustrated, and it just, you know, everything really just collapsed. On that first goal, I'd like to go back to that. Yeah, it's all well and good to have two center mids sitting in front of the defense. But if neither of them want to play any defense, then it's like they're not there. I'd rather have one guy that is just going to protect the defenders than two guys who spray the ball around. Yeah, I mean, well, you mentioned that Madunian had a, had a good first half. He did in terms of distributing the ball, but the guy's got to play some defense, too. You watch Piotti just stroll right up to the top of the box, yeah. over the, the, you know, into the, the penalty area and, and score. Too well, easy. And part of that was Jack Elliott, who otherwise did have a fairly good game. Um but yeah, no, there's there's really not a lot of defensive presence um, in that sort of center of the field between the halfway uh, line and the box. Um, and things really just got worse for the Union as they crumpled. Uh, Montreal would just sort of play a long ball into that area. A lot of space between the midfield and the back line for the Union and even between like outside backs and, uh, and the center backs. Just a lot of gaps for Montreal to get into. And... And I wouldn't even say that the Union parked the bus. I mean, I, I was afraid they were going to park the bus and just let Montreal come at them. I don't think they did that. I, I just think they, they lacked the, 
the mental fortitude to, to hang in there and fight. And then Andre Blake, when he spilled that rebound right back out in front, I mean, that's uncharacteristic of him and really bad timing to, yeah. to not be his stellar usual self, but uh, it's, it's really maddening. It's, I, I love having two young center backs that the Union can look to the future and be excited about. Three, if you count Josh Yarrow. But I would have put Aguchi Onyewu in that game. He's really good at seeing the field, controlling the defense, and controlling some of those gaps, too. Yeah, that one was kind of a head-scratcher. You know, you don't know if it's just for fitness reasons. Um, they think he can't go a full season, maybe. I don't know why else they wouldn't have put him in the game. Um, one bright spot was that we did see Ray Gaddis start in place of Keegan Rosenberry, um, which was sort of a surprising move, but Gaddis ended up playing really well. I missed Ray Gaddis. He's a much, I think he's a bit better defender than Rosenberry is. Might not give you as much going forward, but he has a lot of heart, and I think he's a really nice guy, and he plays good defense. Yeah, really good hustle. Well, I, I think we see, let's talk about the impact on the fan base. I mean, the it wasn't the best weather day in Chester yesterday. It was drizzly and chilly. Uh, how many people were in the stands? I mean, it, they quoted 15,000 and change, but how many people do you think were in the stadium? Six, seven. Yeah, thousand. six or seven. The team, the club is losing its fan base. It's been 238 days since they've last won a game. I don't, I don't even think firing Jim Curtin is the right answer anymore because I, you know, he's making the, the changes. Uh, he seems like he's a, a pretty direct communicator. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the team's good enough at the mo- at the moment to compete. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about firing Curtin is obviously they're not. It doesn't look like it's going to be a change in ownership. Um, and hopefully that would force them to shake something up or, you know, galvanize the team or switch the formation or something. Um, just change because it looks like they really need a shock to get them going. Joe, I got to say that you were right about Roland Alberg. He did look really good in this game, even put in some defensive work. Um, so your, uh, your continued rants have paid off. <laughs> I'm happy to, happy to be correct on that one. Let me, let me start another rant then. Okay. Let's talk about Bedoya. You mentioned him slamming that ball down after that first goal. Kind of a punky, petulant move from your captain who should have been uh, encouraging his teammates to to play harder. And then we saw his comments after the game where he came off, you know, he was dismayed and frustrated. And I saw a lot of people say, oh, at least he shares the same fiery passion as the fans. I'm not sure I buy that. I don't know. I, I came out of it feeling that way. He was visibly emotional in that press conference. I mean, nobody likes losing, and that's a really tough way to, I mean, basically lose a game. Um, and, and he was, you know, feeling emotional at least, and it seems like he was invested enough to actually care that he, he uh, ended up tying that game. I agree with you, Will, but he still needs to do better on the field. He hasn't, some people think he's looked a lot better as a number six or number eight, but I think he still hasn't touched the ball enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let's get to some of the reaction on social media. I was just sort of screenshotting tweets as we were coming out of that game um, for us to talk about on the podcast. So let's scroll through some. All right, from Dave Zeitlin. uh, This feels like rock bottom for the Union, but I also feel like I've said that several other times over the past seven years. I don't think we've hit rock bottom yet. It's going to, I mean, this hurts. It's really going to hurt more, I think. I agree. This isn't rock bottom. All right, from Joe Tanzi of SBI Soccer. Bedoya, quote, This is a win we need to be able to scrap out. I'm proud of the team still. I have 100% belief in these guys. It is indeed a win they need to be able to scrap out. Uh, 
he needs to help the team scrap out the win even more than he did. All right, from Patterson Avenue, Bedoya, quote, you won't win if you give up two goals every game. No kidding. All right, KYW Soccer, Bedoya says the team deserves a win. Do they? Deserves a win. It deserves. I, what does that mean? You got to go and grab it and take it by the throat and, and, and take it. This team is, you know, they work hard. They're nice guys. They're hustling. It's not going to drop in their lap. They got to go get it. And that, that, that killer instinct to close out a game is what they're lacking right now. I'm not sure where they're going to get that from. All right, two now from Kevin Kincaid of the Philly Voice. Union are mentally fractured. You can see it coming when the first Montreal goal goes in. Team feels so much pressure to snap this streak. And then, this is from his point of view again. No issue with the subs. Pontius is a 65-minute player at this point. Fafa should have scored. Jones is a basic D-sub to close out the game. On that mentality tweet, you need a captain that's going to take that pressure and really light a fire under his teammates, make them perform better, or coaching staff or something. Somebody to do that. That's the fundamental flaw on this team, that, that lack of leadership at the moment. He talked about that Pico chance, which we didn't touch on earlier. Um, I mean, that was a pretty big chance in retrospect. Um, I didn't really think he should have scored. I thought he did pretty well. He had passed the defender. and Nice uh, way to come out from uh, Evan Bush. Um, Bush made a nice save, but if you're an attacking player one-on-one, then I think you should always score. From at Dupist. Stadium was remarkably quiet after the game went 3-2. Everyone was holding their breath. We knew what was coming next. Well, that was the truth. And, but after the, the final whistle, it wasn't as quiet because as the booze rained down on, I don't know if they were focused on the, the team or just focused on the lack of winning for the longest time. From Mr. Peanut Butter at Salt's Monster. Don't feel like anything Curtin did cause this today. He wasn't the one on the field blowing a 3-0 lead. I think that's true. I think Jim Curran actually did a pretty good job with this game. And then some quotes here from Alejandro Bedoya as transcribed by Jonathan Tannenwald. At halftime, we said, what's our game plan now? Up 3-1, we were controlling the game, and we said, let's start the first 15 minutes with pressure. But I felt like we weren't getting through there. So after 10 minutes, I called everybody and said, let's not go and press them. Let's get CJ at the center circle and stay compact, like we did when we were, after we scored our first two goals. Who said that? Alejandro Bedoya. Huh. Because that sounds like a coach's decision at that point in time. I, I'm surprised that he's making that call on the field and, and not following the leadership of the coaching staff. Well, I don't know. I think he's probably given that license as the captain um, to be a coach on the field to some extent. I just don't know that it was the right move to bunker in at that point. I agree. I have less of a problem with him calling that play than that it didn't work. As a leader, you try to get in there. And if guys see your energy, your intensity, your aggressiveness, I hope that guys can feed off that. And that's what I mean by giving up soft goals, not putting bodies on guys in the box. We should be better at that. I've said it every time. If we're not going to, sorry, if we're going to give up a minimum of two goals every game, we're not going to win a game. Energy, intensity, and aggressiveness isn't grabbing the ball and slamming it on the ground after you give up a goal. It's running around, buzzing around all the other players, trying to make them play defense. I'm with you, Matthew. That, that, if that's what Doy is saying, that he needs to put his money where his mouth is. It's good that, I mean, I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here. It's good that he's trying to project that. It just doesn't seem like it's coming through. And then last one here from Matthew to George of, I think, the Burlington Delco Times. Curtin laments some breaks, missing that big play. My question, if three goals isn't enough, then what? 
that's the question of the day. I mean, you're at home against a Montreal team who's equally struggling, up 3 nothing in the first half. And if you're not going to win that game, like when is that win going to come? I, I don't know. I think when you haven't won in eight months, nothing's enough. It's just if the other team's going to also not have enough. All right, last tweet here as we segue into our second segment from Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. Still on the search for positives part two. Hashtag LA Galaxy host Philly next week. Union, only winless team in MLS, lost 3-0 lead at home Saturday. Hashtag LA v Seattle. We'll talk about that and more coming up next. This week, the Union are back on the road to face the LA Galaxy. Any chance they win? As horrible as I have felt after this Montreal game, I've got to say I'm a little optimistic. We just watched LA get demolished by Seattle. They look as dispirited, dispirited and disorganized as the Union do. So we're either, I think the Union are either going to go into LA and allow LA to get their season back on track, because the Union have become accustomed to allowing other teams to do, or LA is going to stay in the funk that they're in and we've got a shot at this. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist by nature. I'm a Union fan forever. So maybe that's coloring my, my uh, optimism here, but I think well, there's a chance. LA's not that bad. I've been an optimist for 240 days. I don't think the Union's going to win this game. Why? LA's got a lot more talent. They're at home. The Union have to fly all the way across the country. And LA has a bunch of superstars. The Union don't. And the Union don't have enough teamwork, enough leadership to overcome that. LA, for as bad as they are, they still move the ball. And they've got Jermaine Jones, who surprisingly has been really good distributing the ball wide, um, which is something the Union have trouble with. With the marking, um, and it just it flows back and forth, and they may be bad, but Giovanni Dos Santos and Giassi's artists aren't going to miss as many chances as Montreal. Romain Alessandrini too is impressive. Yeah, he's been a great addition for LA. And Van Dam in the back, he's he's a, he's a good player to watch. But even with all that talent, they're not playing as a team right now. I, I'm I think that two months from now they're probably going to gel and go on a run, but at this moment they just haven't quite found their their flow. Would you say the Union have found their flow, though? Yeah. <laughs> no, I would not. I feel like the Union are even more misanthropic than L.A. L.A. might have to change up their formation for this game. As you saw in the first half of that Seattle game, they made a sub, took out Emmanuel Boateng, put on Baccio Usic, who's a center mid. They changed around their formation. Didn't seem to help them too much, but they did it. What does Usic give them that Boateng doesn't? I've always been impressed with Usic. He's really good at collecting the ball, seeing the game. He's a really good shooter, too. Can pass, and he plays a lot of defense. Yeah, LA are so vertical in their play, and, I mean, it's probably more of a holdover from the Bruce Arena days than what Kurt and Alpha is doing. Um, but I remember a Union game in LA, I think two years ago, where it was, at, they lost 4-1 or something, but LA would get the ball at the back, and then, like, three long passes across the field, and 10 seconds later, they were in the Union's box um, putting it past Andre Blake. It just seems like they don't have much of a chance, um, even though L.A. are playing pretty badly. And they're missing Sebastian Legit. That's true. All right, it's MLS Fantasy time. Matthew's consistently in the top 5% of all MLS Fantasy players, and right now he's going to give us some tips. This segment will also discuss the best games from this coming weekend. Matthew, take it away. Sebastian Javinko scored two goals last week. He 
might be back, and if he's back, you want him on your team. He's at home against the Houston Dynamo, who don't have a great defense this year, and he's going to score. Also in the Eastern Conference, Miguel Almiron. I've mentioned him before, but he's electric. He's really fun to watch. And uh, he's playing against DC, who have a terrible defense, and they're missing Steve Birnbaum, and he's also going to be really good. You were telling me that only like 5% of people own him, too, on their fantasy teams, right? It's a 13.5. Oh, all right. But no, he's not that well-known, considering he's one of the best players and one of the best teams in Atlanta. And I, I really like watching him personally. Finally, Sporting Kansas City's had the best defense in the entire league this year. I'd look for them to continue that trend. They're playing at home. It doesn't really matter who they're playing against because they have a great defense and they have that great home atmosphere. Would you take Jimmy Madronda? who is an outside back who gets up the field and puts in a lot of crosses. They've actually been playing him up top and in the midfield because Seth Sinovic has taken back that left-back spot. But uh, yeah, I'd take Madronda. All right, let's get to the best games of this weekend. So all of these games are from next Saturday. Uh, Matthew, who do you have? I watched the Seattle-New England game. Each team has three really dynamic attackers. Um, you know, Lean Win, Kai Kamara, and Juan Agudelo in New England, and then Ladero, Dempsey, Morris in Seattle. Uh, that's going to be a really exciting game. Uh, for me, I'd like to see the, the Toronto-Houston game. Uh, as you mentioned, Matthew, Giovinco scored twice this, this past weekend, and when he gets hot, he's a pleasure to watch. And then on the Houston side, you got Kubo Torres, who has been resurrected under the, the coaching of Wilmer Cabrera. Wilmer Cabrera. So uh, I think that's be, that'll be an exciting game to watch. All right, I've got probably the blockbuster matchup of the weekend, Dallas and Portland. Um, I mean, two, you know, freewheeling, high-scoring, uh, exciting teams to watch. Maybe not Dallas, so high-scoring. Um, but it's just really, really good quality on both sides. I think it's going to be a good matchup. That's going to do it for this episode. We release new ones every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher.com, and SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at PhillySoccerPod. I'm at WMCQ19, and Matthew is at Matt underscore McQuill. Comments, questions, or reactions can be tweeted at us there or emailed to us at PhillySoccerPod at gmail.com. Ratings and comments on iTunes and Stitcher are essential for getting a show like ours publicity, so please be sure to tell your friends and leave those reviews. It's super quick. For Joe and Matthew, I'm Will McQuillan. Stay strong, Union fans. We'll see you next week.